This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Welcome to the show. This one is going to be a little bit different than every single other episode that we've ever had because this episode is being edited (laughs) by yours truly. I'm not kidding. Um, I'm going to start this episode by just being really real and honest with you. I last week um, had to make the decision to press pause on the show since everything has gone down with coronavirus and self-isolation. Um, it, I mean, the show takes a lot of time to put together. And so trying to do that when we have a two-year-old and a four-year-old at home with us and no childcare uh, was feeling a little impossible. And then also our um, incredible sponsors, I totally understandably had to pull back from sponsoring the show, which I completely understand, but it also costs money to edit it and to piece all of the content together and to push it out. So all signs were pointing to press pause from a realistic business standpoint, (laughs) but it just felt so devastating to me because I know that there's so many people out there right now who are struggling more than ever that are feeling stuck, that are feeling alone, um, or just that like are at home twiddling their thumbs and (laughs) could use a podcast to listen to. So I went to bed one night and was just in tears over the fact that you know, I didn't know how to make it work. I woke up the next morning with a fire in my heart and I was like, we are going to pivot. I'm going to figure out how to do this. It's happening. The show must go on. And so Laura, our amazing editor at Time Traveler Media, showed me a free editing software and here we are. I'm editing the show and we're just going to put it out. It's going to be really real and raw. And I basically cut in a few parts. There's going to be no intro music (laughs) from now on in the show. Everything's just kind of globbed together, but I appreciate you sticking with me during this time. And I can't wait to get out the other side to have Laura back with us again. Um, And in the meantime, I'm going to keep putting these shows out for you. So let's do it. Let's dig into this next episode with one amazing guest, Libby Crow. She is a global mentor for entrepreneurs who helps them practice deep self-care while they're also growing their business and their minds. I think this is such an important thing as we've talked about so often. I'm a big believer that you can have your dreams, you can work towards them, you can get them without burning out and without Mm -hmm. totally buying into hustle culture. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about that. She's the founder of Elsie International, which is a marketing strategy company, a blog, and a self-care resource for digital consultants. Today, Libby and I are going to talk about her journey from being in a place of suicidal thoughts to a self-love millionaire. 
Yes, this is such gold. We're going to also dive into love and relationships and finding freedom from your body. It's going to be a juicy one. Libby, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on. I am thrilled to be here and to be of value and service. I'm so honored to have you here to be sharing this story with us because I think it's an important one. I'm wondering if you can take us back to that place where you think your story really started. And tell us a little bit about the journey to getting to where you are now. Well, I'm from a small town in Wyoming, and I wasn't raised around the talk of entrepreneurship or being a visionary or going after any dream or innovation you think of. That wasn't really the the languaging or the mindset that I grew up around. It was very much go to college, get a job, pay off your debt, you know? And so that's what mm -hmm. I did. And I became an elementary teacher and I love teaching. I love the kids. But then I got introduced to this opportunity of entrepreneurship. And I thought, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was a thing. What? You can have a business and you can help people and you can be a coach and a, and a consultant. And I was super inspired by the idea. And so I started to get certified in different things. And um, first I started in wellness and that's what actually led me to becoming an eating psychology coach because, you know, I realized, oh, you can have whatever body you want, lose all the weight, but that doesn't equal happiness. Okay. So I, I transitioned into, uh, into helping women with more of a holistic way of loving themselves. And then over time, uh, that transitioned into me being able to help people with their own businesses. People kept coming to me, asking me to, to mentor them. They liked the way I did business, I guess, and liked the way it looked. It didn't feel salesy or weird. And back then, not as many people were business coaches. So it was, it was kind of new for someone, I felt like, me to kind of transition into that um, archetype. But, but the time that you're talking about, which was Entrepreneur Magazine wrote an article about this, was I was about a couple years into business. And you know, my whole movement is behind the dream. So it's about being real about what it takes to fully dive into entrepreneurship and, and taking life, you know, being being the capitan of your life. And okay. it's it's a lot of ups and downs and it's not always cute. And so I was in a phase where I hadn't really processed the grief from my dad dying a couple years prior. I was in a a pivot, I call it the pivot, a pivotal time in entrepreneurship where I was transitioning from one type of consulting business to another based off what I was inspired to do. I just ended up a big relationship, moved into this new place. And it was the dead of winter. I don't like being cold. <laughs> like there were all these things <laughs> Me that, neither. that really, yeah, like that added up and I was just done. And at that time I didn't have a spiritual connection. I was pretty atheist. And, and so I kind of, I got to this point where I was, it, it, it all felt like too much. I felt very isolated too. I think entrepreneurship in general can be pretty isolating until we realize how important it is to cultivate community and vulnerability and sisterhood and all of that. But, but I was in this time and yeah, it was a dark place. I, I didn't want to live anymore. And I just, it felt like everything was too overwhelming for me to unpack it all. And I was used to being on top of my life, you know, this achiever archetype, like doing, 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 I got this, you know, and, and it felt like I had had too much on my shoulders. And so I, I definitely uh, hit a, at a point, you know, it's funny to take you there. I, I prayed, I've never prayed in my life. I didn't know how to pray, but I had a prayer and I, I sat there on my bed and I was like, you know, give me a sign. And, I, you know, I, I don't want to die, but I also don't want to be here right now. And I need a sign that I'm supposed to be, it got that, it got to that point. And 
And even though I had some tools and I was, you know, practicing loving myself and I was evolutionary, it still felt pretty hopeless. And, and I, I had a sign come to me like within the week randomly. And, and from that moment, my life really turned around. I started to cultivate a spiritual connection to myself through this it's not a church, but almost like a center that I started going to almost like a personal development center. I started going to Mm. through a random call from a renter's insurance person. That was my sign. Um, who was like, I feel called to tell you about this personal development center. I know it's not professional. And I was like, Whoa, maybe this is my sign. Maybe I'm supposed to live. And it was, and I, and I went to that place and it cracked my heart open. It made me feel not alone. It made me have hope again. And, And I started to cultivate a relationship with myself a relationship with feeling feelings and emotion and processing them and, and things started to turn around. So yeah, that, that article is just, it, I, you know, I thought it was important to share the shadow parts and the parts that are pretty tricky and sticky along the journey. Uh, you know, because we hear so often the, the fun, fun, pretty parts. So that's a little mm-hmm. bit about the journey. And, you know, since then I, I've really felt um, like more equipped with, being able to deal with the ups and downs and, and seeing everything as such a beautiful teacher and blessing and not really judging things as like bad or wrong or hard and just being like, okay, this is happening. How can I be, be with it? You know? And, and so, yeah, that, that was a little bit, that was years ago, that, that dark time, but uh, yeah, it's, but it's a trip, you know, life is a trip, Erin. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Oh my gosh. There's so much so much to unpack. I'm like sitting here jotting down notes of things that I don't want to forget that you said so that we can go back. And obviously I want to talk about some of the tools that you share with your clients and some of the things that have really worked to help you along this journey. But I don't think we can start until people fully understand and grasp where you've been, because it's that Mm -hmm. starting point, that foundation, which for many of us was very rocky, Um, that really gives you the strength and shows, you know, just how incredible it is that you have gotten to this space where you are right now. Not that where you are right now is perfect every day and all lattes and beautiful photos, but it's a much different place from where you were. So can you just take me back? You're running these online courses and your dad passes away. You're young. So was your, your dad was young. Like he wasn't, it's not like he was an older man who was passing away. Correct. Yeah. He died at age 49. So it was about seven, eight years ago. And yeah, at that time I had transitioned completely from, okay, I'm not just doing business on the side of teaching. I I quit my teaching job and I was fully committed to, um, at that time I was focusing on wellness and nutrition and helping people change their lifestyle habits almost as like a a wellness coach. Uh, so yeah, it, it was, there was no plan B, you know what I mean? And, and that, that was kind of, courageous looking back, but also, you know, when you get planted with a seed of something and you're like, this is it, this is the path that I can do this. Like this makes sense. That's where I was at. So in a way, lots of people thought it was crazy, but I knew, Hey, if this person can do it, that I see doing it online, I bet I can do it too. And, but at the same time, coupled with grief and loss and, and also coming into my emotions for the first time, I I was very avoidant with my emotions up until uh, that time, I think death was my greatest teacher because it allowed me to to feel 
and to access feeling and emotions and see it as a beautiful process versus something that we should just sweep under the rug. So there was a lot mm-hmm. going on, you know, it wasn't just, it wasn't just the death. It was like the death. I'm an entrepreneur now. I don't even know how to spell that word. Okay. Got to figure that out, you know, and, <laughs> and like paying off my student loan debt. And like, I didn't have anyone to rely on. It was just me and myself. And even though the internet connects us all, I did feel pretty isolated in my experience. Yeah. How, when you say that you felt like you were keeping your emotions in and that the death allowed you to really start to feel that or forced you to start feeling your feelings. I think a lot of people are in this space where it's like they have these feelings underneath the surface that they know are there and they're terrified of letting themselves feel them. And so they get really busy or they get anxiety or they get depressed and they stall and they don't do anything at all. What did that look like for you, allowing those feelings to start showing up without being terrified that they would just run you over? Well, I was terrified because I had been in this kind of dark spiral of depression. And I thought to myself, well, if I allow myself to feel even more, will I go back there? You know, will 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 it keep being this cycle? And so physically what it felt like is it felt painful. I remember the first time I started working with a coach to help me feel the the pain, I could physically in my heart, it hurt physically. And that scared me, you know, but then that also was an indicator to me, wow, there's a lot more locked in here that needs to get out because I noticed I started to feel better after I would feel the pain. So it was like, okay, the, that hurts. This is, oof, you know, but then there was a lightness that came uh, afterwards. And so I started working with people to help support me and feeling. I started doing therapy. I started accessing these different modalities that would help me feel past experiences, past traumas, and and then also uh, feel the pain of losing my dad. And so it was a lot of feeling. I, I like to think that my, it, it seems that my journey is is almost broken into these parts of emotional healing and then intellectual healing and physical healing. It's, sometimes mm-hmm. it's not all cohesive and cute for me. It's like, okay, I'm really diving into this emotional element. So at that time of my life, it was very much focused on emotional healing and also just relating to emotions in a different way. So I don't know about, you know, you, but for me, the way I was kind of raised is, you know, if you have an emotion that isn't joy or happiness, well, it's not allowed here, you know, Mm. so you just need to bypass that basically put on your happy face and keep going. So I learned to be resilient uh, with my emotions in that way where I could handle a lot, my capacity for the whole spectrum, I call it like spices on the spice rack for all of those different spices of emotions to be inside of me, but I wouldn't fully feel them. They'd just be kind of festering up inside of me and I would just continue to, to do life. Um, but that adds up over time, you know, it's like a snowball. And I didn't know that at the time, but then when you start to kind of melt the snowball or whatever, wow, those things come up and you feel them and it's a little terrifying, but also the feeling of letting it go and moving through them is, it feels so good that it becomes kind of worth it. And one of the ways that I, I realized how to not stay stuck in it because that you mentioned that, like, can we stay stuck? And that was my fears is being able to realize what actually brings me joy. Like, okay, I think people get stuck in healing. So, okay, if, if I'm healing and you know, this isn't, super cute. Like it's painful. I'm crying a lot. I'm feeling a lot. I'm expressing a lot. And also on the opposite of that, how can I harmonize some of this by doing things that bring me joy, that make me laugh, that 
make me feel loved and, and experience just a different vibration, you know, a different energy level. So I, I was really aware of that during the time. Maybe at that time I would go to comedy shows or make sure to invite people over for friends or things that would kind of balance it. I think it can be a little um, ungrounding and, and people can get a little bit uh, uh, flighty or things don't feel quite mm -hmm. right if they're so in the grounding. So I intuitively knew, okay, if I want to balance this with some things that really uplift me, but I, I got to say, it's just, it wasn't a good time. <laughs> you know, like that, that time of really facing my soul and really facing and leaning into the truth of what had been there that I hadn't really accessed before. Uh, it was a time in my life that was pretty trying and I'm so grateful for it because now if an emotion comes up or something comes up, I just, feel it in that moment. I'm not trying to push it down to keep going. You know, there's a more of a congruency in the way that I feel and act and, and digest uh, emotions, if that makes sense. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you a over. Okay, I'm going to press pause on the conversation for one second to check in with everybody to see how you're doing. You girls know I'm a huge advocate for therapy. It has saved me way more than once in my life. And we're currently navigating one of the most stressful situations possible as a global community. So I know everybody out there whether you're down with quarantine life or really not feeling it, 
has had some highs and lows. So I want to make sure that you have the resources to help you get through this time. I wanted to tell you about BetterHelp. It's an online service that will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's all online. You don't have to go into an office or sit in an uncomfortable waiting room where we're not even allowed to be right now. You can start communicating with someone in under 24 hours. It is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. And what I love about BetterHealth specifically is that they offer a broad range of expertise in their counseling network, which might not be available if you're living in a smaller town or a place that doesn't have access to a wide variety of people. So if you're feeling anxious right now, if you feel like you're super stressed, maybe you're feeling a little depressed, if your relationship is feeling a little rocky, I don't know, maybe you've even decided to do a career change after spending so much time out of the office. Whatever's going on for you, if you need somebody to talk to, remember that going to get therapy is a sign of strength. It is an amazing place for personal development. It does not mean that you are broken. I know so many incredible women, actually all of my most amazing friends and the women I admire and the people on the show have at one point, for the most part, used therapy. So this is an online service and you can start today. You can visit their website at betterhelp.com backslash raw beauty. That's better H E L P.com or sorry. Yeah. com backslash raw beauty to join over 500,000 people who are taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. I talked to BetterHelp. They're going to give you 10% off your first month right now when you go to betterhelp.com backslash raw beauty. All right, let's get back to Libby. I would love to talk about a scenario that I know so many women are struggling with today. And a lot of women who are listening to this podcast, I believe you've had a history with this struggle. I for sure have had a history with this struggle. Can we talk a little bit about body image? and self-love. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> oh, tell me about your relationship with your body. Oh, it's been interesting because what I know now is it's really a relationship with myself. The body is just like a, a, a segue or a portal into understanding the relationship with myself. So the body is kind of like the thing that I want to focus on or that I'm thinking about, but really it's, it's more of a deeper thing. I tell you what, I've always been out straight out the womb curvy, you know what I mean? And I always had <laughs> my thick thighs. Like I, I saw this picture of myself when I was two, probably three, maybe three, I literally have the same body. I'm just like longer and taller. It's like, I've always had this like cute thickness to myself. And yes. but as a, as a kiddo, I didn't like that because I would eat the same things as my friends but they were thinner than me. And, and so I remember like running through the sprinkler as a kiddo and just being like, wow, what's, what, what's wrong with my body? It never led me to change my behaviors, but I always felt like something wasn't right with me. Something's wrong with me. Why, why is it easier for them or effortless for them? Which probably, you know, oh, things need to be harder for me. Like it's interesting, these subconscious beliefs that probably happen. And, and so it, I was all fine and good you know, after that, I started playing in sports. And as an athlete, people's bodies looked like mine. So I thought, Oh, I'm good. I never really thought 
anything was wrong with my body. I wasn't even really aware that things could be wrong with my body. I was good to go. But it wasn't until college. So it was like when I was younger and then teens, I was an athlete and people had bodies like mine. I, I just didn't think of it. It wasn't until in college, I stopped playing sports. I started like eating lots of burritos and drinking Jaeger and I was super unhealthy. <laughs> and what <laughs> happened? Yeah. Ugh. And as we do, <laughs> yeah, ooh, I just can't even think of Jaeger. It makes me want to throw up. Um, so anyway, <laughs> what happened is my body changed. I gained a ton of weight and I really started to not feel right in my body. And I really stopped feeling sexy. I stopped feeling confident. I just didn't feel right in my body. And at that time too, I was just kind of trying to keep up with life, you know, like with jobs, with trying to support myself through college, with knowing what I was supposed to do with my life and, and all of this. And I, I wasn't, it happened slowly, this weight gain, but it got to this point where I was not happy and I didn't really feel like I felt this worthiness or this enoughness. I kind of just felt like, well, at least I have my personality. At least I'm funny. Mm -hmm. At least I'm smart because my body isn't, you know, great, but at least these other parts of me are great. So it was this almost disconnect with my body that I, this disassociation almost that I started to have. And, uh, I, now that now, now I look back, I'm like, wow, I was really not in my body. I wasn't feeling what my body was feeling. I wasn't listening to the body wisdom. Uh, but, but fast forward to, you know, the going into wellness coaching, that's when it all started to really come up is because I thought, okay, when I get skinny, then I'll be happy. Then I'll love myself. Then I'll attract my partner, then, 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 you know, and mm -hmm. that's when everything started to come to the surface that I never really felt or realized I was feeling, uh, was when I started this hardcore nutrition diet frenzy. <laughs> so maybe mm. we can start there, but, but up until that point, it was kind of like, oh, my body isn't like other people's. And then it was like, oh, it is. And I'm okay. Cause I'm an athlete. Then it was like, wow, I'm not feeling so good. I'm feeling overweight and not so good. Um, because I, you know, bought into, okay, I need to look this way to, to be beautiful, to be lovable, whatever. Um, but it wasn't until, yeah, I started to hardcore on the diet train and the exercise train that really things started to come, come up. And when you say things started to come up, what do you mean? <laughs> well, I became <laughs> obsessed with being skinny. And I tell you, like I said, I did I don't think that my body is gonna ever be skinny. Like no matter what, unless I was starving and dying, literally, you know. So mm -hmm. but I became obsessed with this idea of okay, when I'm skinny, um, then I'll be happy, then things will I'll make more money up. But I, there were so many things that I attached, almost equations that I attached to being skinny. So I decided to go on this huge huge life change of, you know, I, I started counting every calorie that I ate, which by the way is exhausting. Um, and I started working out every single day and I would really beat myself up if I slipped up like, Oh my gosh, I had an extra scoop of almond butter. Now I think about this. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's wild. That is wild that I was in that mindset. But yeah, I would beat myself up if I, you know, was too tired to do a workout. I would have to do like three the next day and the thing is, I, I lost a bunch of weight. I lost like 60 pounds and I learned a lot about nutrition and taking care of myself and moving my body. So there were some positive benefits to it, but it was very based off lack and scarcity and not being enough or worthy and also 
restriction and rigidity and like this masculine approach to change. And it was coming from a place that wasn't loving. And so that was, that was the kicker. So I got to this physical change, uh, after about a year, uh, and come to find out all of my problems didn't go away when I was mm -hmm. my skinniest and, <laughs> and all of this. I was, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was like, what? I can't believe that I worked this hard and nothing changed really, except for the fact that I feel more confident in my body. And, you know, maybe I, maybe from a health perspective, I'm taking better care of myself, drink, I'm not drinking, I'm, you know, whatever. But it, it was so fascinating to me. So then that's actually when I started studying eating psychology because I realized, okay, what? This doesn't work. There's something else here. And then that's when the healing really came up because I started to realize, oh, I have work to do around body image and body shame. And I have work to do around loving my body for what it is, regardless of what it weighs. And I, I was almost like this brand new world, this mystical world of body love that I started to enter. This was about six years ago. And I, it was, it was so refreshing to get exposed to this new information and this new way of seeing bodies of, wow, okay, we don't have to push and shame ourselves into love. We can surrender and gently be open to acceptance and be open to seeing bodies in this new way. And so it was almost this feminine approach that I started to take. And, and it was scary though, because it felt real. It felt like what I was doing before was kind of masking how I felt and trying to change something externally. And now what I was doing is looking at what was on the insides and they weren't very sparkly and they weren't very nice. All the thoughts and the, the concepts and the stories around my body, they weren't nice at all. And so I started to realize, oh, I've been fed a lot of, a lot of BS about how I need to be and look to have love, to feel confident, to succeed, yada, yada. And it was, it was a whole smack in the face, really, <laughs> but a permission slip too, to give myself more of a, an ease around food. Like I started to gain some weight back because holy, holy shnikes, I ate cookies again. You know, like I started to give myself mm. this wiggle room to just be a human and to not focus so much of my, my brilliant energy, which so many people do. They focus their, their energy and their brilliance on food and counting calories and all this where it can be focused other places. So I started to focus it on other places. Like what lights me up instead of like, how much was that kale salad, you know, and calories. Yes. So it was, it was yes. interesting. It was, uh, it was huge. It was, I, I can't explain it enough. It's hard to, if someone's in it right now, they probably don't get it. It's, it's like, you can only understand it when you've moved through it and you've been you've gotten free of all of that. And while I was in it, I never thought I'd be free of it. I thought I'm going to be 90 years old and counting calories and weighing myself oh, yeah. every day. This is going to be a pain in the butt, but uh, Hey, I'll be yeah. skinny. And then you realize, <laughs> Oh gosh, what? That doesn't do anything. So, okay. I'm free of that. I'm free of this. And it's almost like you're breaking these, you're breaking free of these shackles that you're the one that, you know, shackled yourself, but you're breaking free of them. And it's, it's like every moment you learn more and you get exposed to more of this idea of fully loving your body and loving yourself. It's, it's like one shackle breaks and the other one breaks. And then all of a sudden you're not even thinking about it, you know, and you're just living mm -hmm. your life and you're like, Oh, I have this beautiful body. 
thank you. And you're not, it's, it's, you're not phased, you know? So it's been a trip. We can go deeper into it, but that's a little bit of the overall view of my experience. Okay. Well, since this is Raw Beauty Talks, you know, I'm going to take you a bit deeper. I love Mm -hmm. it. I want to just mention a couple of the things that you said in there to highlight for people who are listening. So I heard softening into self-love and, and that comes from the dialogue that you're speaking to yourself, letting yourself have the cookie. So breaking some of the rigidity in your diet and moving towards a more flexible diet. Are there any other specific tools that you can share with people that really helped you in that in that journey from point A where you're restricting and you're kind of in this prison with counting calories and your body to this space of self-love, because that area I think is the space where so many people get tripped up. It's like, okay, yeah, I want to love myself and I want to like choose to move my body because I love myself versus how many calories I'm burning. But it's like, how do I get there? Obviously I talk Mm -hmm. to my coaching clients about this, but I'm always fascinated to hear what worked for other people. So can you give us like some specifics? You know, some (laughs) external things that I did, I'll do internal external. So some external things that I did is I smashed my scale with a sledgehammer and it was glass. It was glass. I know I did a whole movement about around it at that time, but it was glass and it went everywhere. And I had a photographer capture it. And I really was like, Hey, I'm committed to not having this number. Tell me anything about myself you know? And so I did that. Um, I threw away all these stupid little containers that I was measuring my food with and deleted all the apps that was making me feel crazy about counting everything and tracking everything. Uh, and then externally, I also started bringing people into my awareness and my consciousness of what I was taking in. Like for example, on Instagram of people who actually looked like me, that was huge. Cause at that time, I only had people in my feed or that I was following that had bodies that I, I thought I had to have or that I was striving towards. But when I started to unfollow those, my mind and, and follow people whose bodies were more like mine, my mind started to be like, oh, see, this is okay. It was, it was an interesting shift. Yes. It sounds so silly. And I'm sure people talk about it all the time, but it actually really did help me. And even to this day, like my trainer now, she has a body like mine and that really helps support me. And I mean, it just reminds me, my body's great right now. It's all good. There are bodies like mine, you know? And so those are some things externally that I did that I remember that, that really helped me. Then I was feeding myself so much education around eating psychology and body love. I just read so many books and listened to so many audios and I just consumed so much information like you, that you share, you know, on your own platforms that helped me start to rewire. So those are some things externally. And then, you know, one of the processes that I learned from a a coach was the compassionate self-forgiveness process. Have you ever talked about that on your show? I can share it. We have not. We have not talked okay. about this. So I would love it to really go into it. Me. Yeah. So this coach taught it to me, but it's from the University of Santa Monica spiritual psychology program. And they teach this three part kind of process. And I started doing that and it was really helpful. So that the essence is it is that you you first state number one, you you first state the misbelief. So if we're talking about body at that time, I would say something like, um, you know, the belief is that I need to lose 10 pounds before June to look good in my bridesmaid's dress or whatever. So that's the belief. Um, And then you move to forgiveness. So number two is 
you know, you really get in that, the heart space and you're like, you know, I forgive myself for buying into the misbelief that I have to lose 10 pounds to look good in that dress. And sometimes we don't fully believe it yet and that's okay. So you follow it up with number three, which is the truth. You might have a lot of truths around it when you tap into the highest, most wise part of you. So the truth could be, you know, the truth is it's not about the way my body looks in this dress. The truth is it's about celebrating my friend's love. The truth is I, my body is always transforming through the seasons of my life. And right now I'm holding on to a bit more weight and I can still love myself right now. The truth is I'm comparing, I'm comparing myself to the other bridesmaids and I don't need to do that. And they love me for who I am and they love my body for what it is now. And the truth is no one's focused on my body. They're focused on the wedding. No, the truth. So you don't, you go into all these truths. The truth is I am, I don't need to change. You know, the truth is, you know, I give myself grace during this time in my life or whatever the truth is for you. And that really helps you to start to switch and change um, your mindset and to actually go into the heart and to realize, oh, I created a story and attachments to the story around this misbelief. So this three part forgiveness process was something that I at that time practiced a lot, sometimes on the same belief multiple times a day. So whenever I noticed something would come up, I'd take the time. And I do it. And of course, you have to have self-awareness to realize that you're caught in the story and it doesn't always work, you know, but when you can catch yourself, it's really nice to, to slow down, go through the process and get back into the truth and from that wiser self. So those are some, that's a process that I would do internally all the time. I love that so much. And I feel like it's such a tangible tool that people can take with them. For anyone who's listening right now, I'm going to create a free PDF with this exercise from Libby that you can get in the show notes, because I always want these episodes to be like a mini therapy session where you get to connect Mm. with other women, where you're taking home tools, where you're actually creating transformation in your own life. So I want you to, at some point, whether it's through the PDF or just on a blank piece of paper, to write down these three steps and to do the exercise by yourself so that you're truly creating transformation for yourself as you listen to this. It doesn't have to be about body image. It can be your money story or your age or Mm -hmm. uh, an experience you've had with death. When she said, sometimes we get caught in our own narrative and we don't even realize that we have these limiting beliefs. If you have a thought process that is no longer bringing you joy, that is no longer making you feel empowered, that is no longer helping you see your greatness there is work to be done. That is a great place to start. Libby, how has your journey and your journey specifically into self-love reflected in the rest of your life, in your career, in your relationships? How has that impacted um, how you show up externally today? My goodness. Isn't it everything? You know, it's, it's, I almost sometimes think of, okay, if you're building a castle or if you're building an empire and you're the queen of it, you know, you have these foundations for the castle so it doesn't crumble. And I've found not through just, you know, reading a book and being blissful in life, but through the hard stuff that loving myself has to be a foundation. And some of the ways that it looks now is, you know, it's very hip right now to talk about boundaries, right? And I think Uh that boundaries are good and I love them and yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. But I think the deeper element there is communication. So I've learned 
okay, I love myself. So I'm going to communicate this to a person that's the communication is the bridge to the boundary. Right. And so I've learned like to communicate better because I love myself. Um, I can do that in a way that's empowering. So having difficult conversations and being not avoiding them and leaning into them, um, feels really self-honoring and self-respectful. And I've been doing that a lot, which in turn look like boundaries. Um, nowadays, it looks like a lot of alone time. So I'm a big fan of at least three hours alone a day. And hey, listen, we all have different lives and different priorities and values and and families and things that we're taking care of. But if you can at least spend an hour alone a day, I, I do three. It It really allows me to come into myself, come into my body, come into my my mind and, and actually uh, center. And so that's been one of these things that I love myself. So I take that time for myself and I make it happen. You know, it's so easy to, to be pulled into other people's stuff or be reactive into things uh, with our day. And for me that that's scheduled in um, what else is self-loving? Uh, oh my gosh. Self-love to me sometimes also doesn't look nice like that. It looks hard. So I love myself and I want to be in alignment. So I'm going to stop, you know, doing this or, or exit this business and start this because I love myself. So I believe in myself and I'm confident in myself to make it happen and to, to know that I'm worthy of the joy and the excitement and doing something different. So it, it, it seems to me that the foundation of this is educating every area of my life, especially too within my, my marriage and my relationship. It's like we get to, I get to love myself. So then I get to love him even more. And same with any mm. relationship in my life. And so it, it's really a ripple is what I experience it to be. But also it's a practice. You know, I, we, we were joking and laughing earlier about the fact that it's not just one and done. Like, I love myself. I'm good to go. You know, it's like, <laughs> there's always new layers of it. I'm finding it's like, oh, wow. I, I, oh, I wasn't in my highest self loving in that situation. So I said yes to that, or I let that slide and I didn't say anything. And so it's kind of this uh, juggling slash this just practice that I feel that I'm in all the time. And not that I'm, I'm saying, okay, today I'm practicing self-love. It's more so of, okay, noticing, oh, this happened. How did that feel? And there's this question that I, that I feel is really powerful that I'll share that I used to have to put in my phone as a silent alarm all of the time that helped me actually tune into this self-love and tune into, to myself. And the question is, what do I really, really need right now? And that mm. question has now been almost this foundational question of, of, okay, now that I know that, what am I going to take action on? What do I need to change? How can I adjust? What do I need to really do here now? So that question has helped me not just love myself, but actually practice it based off what I need and honoring those needs because I love myself. So, so it is a foundation, yet there's layers on top of it in the way that we can show up day to day that really... um prove, okay, yeah, I do, I do love myself because I'm doing this and I'm taking the time to ask myself that important question. What do I really, really need right now? And, and all of that. So it's, it's an ongoing thing, but I got to say that question has really helped me slow down and come into the truth there. Of, okay. In what way can I love myself now? Mm. Everyone listening, ask yourself right now, what do you really 
really need right now? And when the answer bubbles up, here's the difficult part that she was talking about when it comes to (laughs) self-love. Can you create space for that? Can you honor that within yourself, even if it means having a hard conversation or having to say no to something or having to ask for help or whatever it is? Can you create space for yourself? That, my friends, is self-love. All right, Libby, last question. If you were to die today and an email was to be sent out to all women of the world with a message from you, what would that email say? Mm. Yeah, I often think about mortality all the time. So I I love this question. Um, You know, one of my fabrics that is just part of my DNA and, and one of the reasons why I'm here is to spread kindness to people and So the email would definitely have a message around, hey, how can we be even 1% more kind, kinder to each other? You know, I think about, I was in traffic the other day and a girl honked at me and was angry. And I thought to myself, if she could just be 1% kinder, you know, that would impact me and then I would impact someone else and so on. So my, my message is always, how can we be kind to each other? Because if you think about it, if we were having dinner, like an intimate dinner with most people in the world, we'd probably practice kindness. We probably wouldn't come to a dinner party with strangers and be a poop stain, right? We'd be nice. <laughs> we'd be kind. And and so it's like, how can we treat each interaction like we're at that dinner party and be kind and curious with each other? Uh, maybe even add a little dose of empathy if you're feeling saucy, you know? And so definitely it would be wrapped up in a kindness bow for sure. I love that. Email from Libby Crow. Don't be a poop stain. (laughs) That's the subject. We already have it. (laughs) I'm drafting this up right now. No, but in all honesty, that was so beautiful. And thank you, thank you, thank you for showing up here today and just sharing your story so authentically and so real and from the heart. You didn't hide anything. And I so appreciate that. For everybody who is listening right now, where can they find you if they want more Libby, if they want to connect with you on Insta, on your website? Give us the deets. Thank you for having me on. I've loved it. Great questions. So everything's Libby Crow, Crow Like the Bird, Instagram, website. I have a cool blog. Uh, I have a podcast called Behind the Dream. That's awesome. So yeah, Libby Crow it is. Not many people have my name, Erin, so it's pretty easy. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. If you were listening to this episode and you felt like there were some aha moments, please share it on your social media feeds or just uh, copy the link and send it directly in a text message to some of your friends. I so appreciate you taking that 15 to 30 seconds to help spread these messages. The podcast is growing and it would not be without all of you, my friends. I cannot wait to see you next week. Until then, remember to take from this episode what resonates most and feel free to leave the rest behind. Sending you all love and I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, 
pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.